guardian angels and patron saints. Pray for us. Today I want to talk about this call to repentance that we hear in the scriptures. To put repentance into action. And I want to do so in the context of this month of October, which is the month of the Rosary. In particular, devotion to Our Lady. And to recognize the ways in which Our Lady has made very concrete this need to pray and to bring the fruits of repentance, as we hear in the Gospel today, to light. So I'd like to do so in the context of uh, an important anniversary, the anniversary of the apparitions of Our Lady Fatima, which will be coming up here on October 13th. But the whole month of October is the month of the Rosary, and it's one of which we're called to, in addition to the month of May, cultivate a special love and devotion to the Virgin Mary. And the reason for that really comes to uh, this, basic, this basic call to repentance, which is the gospel. Repent, believe in the gospel. This message was made particularly powerful in the message of Fatima. It's been made particularly powerful in all of Our Lady's apparitions. There have been many of them. Garabandal, um, Our Lady who made apparitions in... Um, uh, why am I struggling to remember the name? Our Lady of Guadalupe, right, down in Mexico. Our Lady of Quibejo in Rwanda. Right? Many instances of Our Lady in pity and compassion, wanting to bring hope to people in the midst of suffering. It's always a message of hope the call to repent. But Fatima was one of the most important ones, I think, in the 20th century, certainly. Three, if you're not familiar with the story, three little children, not much older than those sitting back there, were out tending the flocks of their family, living in a very simple village in Portugal. The year was 1917. And while they were out tending their flocks, three three little kids, Jacinta, Lucia, and Francisco, saw a beautiful figure, a a young boy, about 15 years old, approach them and tell them to prepare to receive a visitation from Mary. He gave them communion. And a few weeks later, Our Lady herself appeared to these three young children on a hillside in Portugal. Now, they spoke to their parents about this, and slowly word began to get out that this beautiful woman clothed in light, with a, with a great beauty about her, spoke to them about coming to visit each month on the 13th in the same spot and to pray, and that she would give them messages and visions to share with the world, with the world. So, as the word began to spread, there's a lot of controversy around this, as you can imagine. These children being fanciful? Are they dreaming things up? What would you say if your, little, if your little child came to you and said, I saw the mother of God? So, slowly this process of trying to figure out what's actually going on here unfolds over several months. The children at one point are put in prison as agitators and not allowed to go to the site to visit um, where Mary had asked to meet with them. But over the course of time, slowly people began to believe that, that this is legitimate and it truly was a visitation from heaven. To the point that 
after six months of these visits, an enormous crowd of people are preparing to come for the last apparition, which is to take place in October, the 13th day of the month, on the same site. And something like, I don't know, anywhere from 15 to 40,000 people, based on the estimates, come out to this little village. There aren't even any roads to this village. You have to walk. Tens of thousands of people show up, many of whom are, are believers, but many, of, many others who believe this is a fraud. They're, they're interested to come debunk what's taking place as a publicity stunt. And many others who are just there to document it. It's a significant event. We're going to write a story about it for the papers. So people of all sorts of different motivations present there. And uh, as promised, Our Lady appears to the children, only to them. No one else can see. There's, a, there's something like, um, in the space where they're looking, there's something like a little thread of, of smoke or of incense. But that's all anyone sees, if anything. At the conclusion of the apparition, something happens that I learned about, and when I, when I heard about it for the first time and really understood what, what it was about, it felt like I was reading a fairy tale. But it is absolutely 100% historically true, as true as any other historical facts we believe about the past. Very well documented by objective, partial sources. And this is what happened. Our Lady had promised a miracle. All these people who had walked out to this hillside in this little village of Fatima, by the way, were soaked because it had been raining continuously, great sheets of rain pouring down for 24 hours prior. So the landscape was just a total mud fest. Everyone was soaked to the bone, everyone covered in mud. At the conclusion of the apparition, the children look up, the clouds part, and they see the sun for the first time in several days. And the sun begins to dance around in the sky, gyrating, turning, twisting, spinning great, um, great colors off of the sun in spirals coming out. Right? Everyone sees this. Everyone sees it. The sun moving and dancing. People are obviously frightened by this. But then the sun starts to come closer. It gets bigger and bigger and starts to grow in the sky and it looks as if it's coming in to crash into the earth. People are terrified. Everyone sees this. Everyone begins to, to scream, to pray. They think this is the end of the world. And then... Everything's back to normal, and everyone looks around, and the countryside and their clothes are completely dry. It's a fascinating event, and people who were there writing about it in the newspapers later said, I don't believe in God. I don't believe these things are real. I'm just going to tell you what I saw. <laughs> okay? That's pretty powerful testimony. Many conversions happened as the result of this, of this miracle. Many people saw it beyond that particular region. But it's as well attested as any other historical thing that we believe about the past. If you think the Declaration of Independence was signed on July 4th, 1776, if you believe that, you should believe that this happened. <laughs> it's a historical testimony. And it's meant to lend the message of Our Lady weight. What was that message? 
God is calling us to repentance. Pray, pray, and do penance. Specifically, do penance in reparation for the sins of humanity that the punishment due to our sinfulness can be avoided. Our Lady predicted many things that happened, uh, terrible things that happened in the 20th century if we did not listen to this message. She predicted the, well, first the end of the First World War, but then the start of the Second World War. She said another great conflict will set the world aflame, marked by the night sky illuminated by an unknown light. And in 1938, the aurora borealis appeared over Europe, visible to everyone in the night. And not long after that, Hitler began his invasion of Poland and Norway. She promised that great conflicts would continue to to drive and um, create suffering for the church as well, including an attack on the Holy Father. The children saw in a vision a man dressed in white who was being led up to a high hill and executed. 1981, on the anniversary of Our Lady's apparition to those children in Fatima, May 13th, John Paul II, an attempted assassination took place. He, was, he um, took a bullet, fired by Ali Agka, and the spot where he was shot is marked in St. Peter's Square to this present day. But another important reminder took place, took place because John Paul II believed that Our Lady of Fatima was the one who had turned that bullet just from barely missing his heart. They recovered the bullet out of the side of his vehicle, and it now sits in the crown of the statue of Our Lady of Fatima in that great basilica built in her honor in France. He said, she is the one who protected me. This was predicted. I, I believe her message. I encourage the faithful to believe the message and to hear this call to do penance. Furthermore, she promised that the errors of Russia would spread over the earth. This is what John Paul II was a leading figure of resistance of the great threats of atheistic communism, which led to the deaths of so many of the people of Russia and of the Soviet Union. More people died in those gulags because of the, their faith in Jesus Christ than all previous centuries combined. All the martyrs of the previous 19 centuries were surpassed by the numbers who were killed in the gulags of Stalin and the Soviet Union. So these errors, continue to be at work and to continue to agitate in our world. One of the things that I think is absolutely relevant to our own time is that we know that Marxism is still very alive and well in our universities. I think one of the things that we have to be aware of to pray for is that the language of the civil rights movement, which has something very important to say, recover the language of Christian spiritual life instead of adopting the language of Marxism. We need a rebirth of the Christian civil rights movement. We need to read and study and listen to what figures like Martin Luther King had to say, that we're building a civilization of love, not of resentment or of warfare. These calls Our Lady issued to the 20th century to repent, pray, these evils need not arrive, but God's justice is working to 
overcome the effects of sin in the world. We can take a shortcut around those things, as it were, by our prayers. And so the, the request of Our Lady of Fatima was simple. It was straightforward. Pray. Do penance. Specifically, the devotion of the first Saturdays. In her journal, one of the little girls, Sister uh, Lucia, she eventually became a Carmelite nun. She wrote about what Our Lady had asked. Mary said to Lucia, See, my daughter, my heart encircled by thorns, with which ungrateful men pierce it at every moment by their blasphemies and ingratitude. You at least can strive to console me. Tell them that I promise to help at the hour of death with the graces necessary for salvation, all of those who, in order to make reparation to me on the first Saturday of five successive months, go to confession, receive Holy Communion, say five decades of the rosary, and keep me company for 15 minutes meditating on the mysteries of the rosary. That's the first Saturday devotion that Our Lady of Fatima asked us to keep. So, this, this question of, of penance is one that I think it can be easily misunderstood as something like punishing ourselves. But really, it's simply this same call that we hear in the scriptures today. Bear fruit. Take what I've entrusted to you and let it bear fruit. The scriptures talk about what penance means. The prophet Ezekiel says, do penance for your iniquities. Cast away from you all your transgressions and make to yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Penance, in other words, this casting away of our sinfulness is something like a hatred of our sin. We're supposed to hate sin. That sounds very harsh. And I, I mean sin, not ourselves. We're not supposed to hate ourselves. It's very different. And we can sometimes confuse those things. I don't hate myself for being sinful. I hate my sin. And I don't want to make any room for it in my life. I don't want to make peace with my sin. I want to throw it away. I want to get out, get it out of my life, get it out of my heart. I want a new spirit. I want a new heart. This is why the sacrament of confession, known as the sacrament of penance, is so important in the spiritual life, in responding to this call. When we confess our sins to the, to the minister of reconciliation, when we confess our sins in, in, in the confessional to the priest, what's happening is a graced encounter with the power of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to awaken this penance, this penitential desire to be free of sin. I don't know about you, but that's a hard thing for me. It doesn't come naturally to me. I make peace with my sinfulness all the time. And I need God's grace to actually help me hate my sin. Because I'm attached to it. I still want to keep it in my life. There's something about it that I enjoy or that I find fruitful. I'm wrong. Help me. And we hate our sin for no other reason than it offends the one who deserves all of our love. Because we can have all kinds of different reasons for hating sin. I can hate my sin because it screws up my relationships and makes me a difficult person to be around. That's true. I can hate my sin because I spend a lot of money on the things that I pursue my sinfulness with. I waste money because of my sin. Therefore, I hate it. Well, that's, that's true. 
I can hate my sin because it ruins my health. And all those reasons are true, but the fundamental reason to hate sin is because it's turning aside from the one who deserves all of our love. And that reason is the only reason, ultimately, that we're to hate our sin. Not so much the sins of others, not so much the sinfulness of the world around us, which we see very easily, but my sin, my disobedience, my disloyalty. In the end, this is a message of hope. I know it sounds harsh, it sounds negative, but it's not. It's, it's a beautiful call to turn towards the one who deserves all our love. He's waiting for us. He wants to give us the grace to receive this gift of penance. He wants to give us the grace to remain in obedience, faithfulness to him, so as to avoid these consequences of sin, which tear down our world and are so destructive. This month, I'm trying to make it a priority to pray the rosary every day. I invite you to do the same. But particularly on the 7th of October, which is the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary, and on the 13th of October, which is the memorial, the anniversary of Our Lady's apparition and the miracle of the sun. If you're not familiar with the work or with the, uh, the story of Fatima, I encourage you to, to read up on it. There's wonderful resources out there. The Message of Fatima is a beautiful book about it. There's also excellent films being made. One just released this past year called Fatima. Very well made, very well told story. You can stream it on any platform, you can find it anywhere. Another one, The 13th Day, excellent film. Very moving, the one that really convicted me about the power of this message. And then Finding Fatima, a documentary about it as well. If you need help finding some of these resources, I would love to provide them to you, whether in electronic or on hard copy or, or DVD format, however you want to do that. Because I think this is, a, this is an opportunity for us to pray for the renewal of our country in particular, for a preservation of our country, for a renewal of the, of the Christian language and the civil rights struggle, which is all too real. A renewal of that language. Sometimes I, I, I ask myself, would Martin Luther King recognize this, this struggle that we're fighting now? Perhaps in many ways not, because he spoke the language of the gospel. We can continue to do that. We must do that and present this message of hope to the world around us. Repent, console Mary in these many acts of ungratefulness and blasphemy and bring hope to a world that burns to know the Lord. I hope you'll join me in this month of October to cultivate a special love for Mary and for her Son who calls us to repent in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.